BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Once upon a time, economics was a largely theoretical field, more prone to introspective conjectures about how the world might work than data-driven studies demonstrating how it actually does. But over the last 30 years, the dismal science looks a lot more sciency, and our guest, David Card, a UC Berkeley labor economist, is one major reason why. He was awarded a Nobel Prize in economics last week for pushing the field to be more empirical and experiment-driven. We'll talk with him about his substantive findings on minimum wage and immigration and what they say about our current policy debates. But first, Mayor Libby Schaff joins us to talk about the Oakland firestorm, which occurred 30 years ago today. That's coming up on Forum after this news. This is Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. They should have a, These people don't understand. They got to leave. They got to leave the car here. 30 years ago, a fire erupted, the likes of which no one had seen before or since in the Oakland Hills. More than 3,500 homes burned, 25 people died, 150 were injured. It was a low point in the city's history just two years after the Loma Prieta earthquake damaged important civic buildings and collapsed the Cypress Freeway. Coming before our current era of destructive wildfires, it also came as a shock to the unprepared city. Tomorrow, we'll dedicate the hour to the aftermath of the fire. But today, in our first segment, we want to talk about that day itself. Among those whose families lost homes was a young Libby Schaff. She's now the mayor of Oakland, and she joins us this morning. Welcome to the show, Mayor Schaff. Thanks for having me. So I know your father lost his home that day. Can you tell us what that time was like for you, not as a future mayor, but just as the young person that you were? Well, Alexis, I was in my second year at law school in Los Angeles at Loyola, and I'll never forget my sister calling me, and and I could hardly understand her because she was sobbing. Mm -hmm. And she told me that my dad was on his way over to her house because the hills were on fire. And, and I just couldn't even grasp that. I, I didn't have a TV at the time. Oh and uh, yeah. so I, I had to literally go over to a friend's house to, to 
see what were just unbelievable images. Like, you know, these were the neighborhoods I grew up in. This was home. And it was just shocking. And then, you know, to wait agonizing days before anyone was allowed back to their home. And, you know, I drove up from LA to join my dad and my sister to go back. And, and that was just an, a twilight zone experience. It's like, it's like a nuclear bomb had gone off. I mean, I've seen some of those photos, you know, the aerial ones where you just see that area up there and Broadway Terrace and, and just the, in the hills there. And it's just, it's wiped out. Were you able to actually go back to the house and, and see what was left? Absolutely. Um, you know, this had been a, a three-story townhouse, but it was all on the ground, everything. <laughs> and, you know, we dug through the ashes. We would find things that were melted or baked. I mean, this fire was unbelievably hot. I mean, there were cars melted into the pavement. Even the dishes inside the dishwasher had like cracked and burned. Uh, there was lumps of, of things that you later realized were, you know, that favorite silver dish or, you know, a serving spoons that, that, you know, had been passed down from, um, my grandmother. And, and it was just such an unbelievably sad experience, uh, to just realize that everything, every single thing was gone. Uh, although one thing, one thing we found in the ashes, the silver spurs that my dad won as a child as the best overall camper at Chile camp. And uh, my sister got them polished and reset with, with leather. Um, and my dad still has them hanging, you know, in his new house today. What about people in the neighborhood having trouble getting out. I mean, one of the big stories at the time was just the, the roads up there and how difficult it was both to get help in and to get people out. There are so many heartbreaking stories of, you know, an elderly couple where the man stayed behind because his wife couldn't get out of a firefighter that was helping to evacuate folks, uh, Chief Riley. Uh, he was found literally with his body covering uh, the woman that he was trying to save, uh, and they both died together. Um, I met the family of, of a man who, uh, this just this last weekend, who, who had actually evacuated, but went back into the area to help neighbors get out, and, and yet he died in the effort. And we also had a police officer who died trying to help people evacuate. 25 people lost their lives. And while the, the property devastation was, was hard to even wrap your head around, 3,400 homes, you know, as we sat in the ashes of what used to be my dad's house, I mean, we all put our arms around each other and, and just we're, we're so so thankful that that my dad got out and that we we as a family were still together yeah excuse me no it's okay you know two years before there'd been Loma Prieta and you know, you'd been working in the community already I mean you obviously weren't the mayor you hadn't really begun your political career but you'd kind of grown up in the city and having these two events kind of go back to back, like I had forgotten, but City Hall was closed for five years after the earthquake. I mean, did you feel like, God, what is happening? Like, is this city cursed right now? 
Yeah. Yeah, I did. You know, I had um, just put on a fundraiser for saving the Oakland school music program um, four days before Loma Prieta. And it was in a building that had not yet been fully retrofitted. And I, I just remember, oh my gosh, it was in, you know, Swan's Market, which is now this, this very cool mixed use uh, space. But um, so I was just, you know, blocks away from the Cypress. I think I was one of the only people not watching the A's Giants World Series game. Um, and, and just to come home and all the windows in my bedroom were broken. There was a crack in the wall where I could literally see Lake Merritt through, you know, the wall from inside my room. And then just two years later, it just days apart, right? The month of October. Yeah. Um, we, we, for years, started making jokes about getting out of town for the month of October because uh, it, it just seemed like the month of tragedy for Oakland. Yeah. So putting your mayor's hat on, the lessons that came out of that, uh, the, that event, the fire, and just trying to rebuild, you know, two different parts of the city. I mean, what do you really take from that, those experiences? So much has changed. We are so much more prepared and we have invested so much more into preventing wildfires from happening in the first place, whether it's our vegetation inspection program, which this year is the first year we've had nearly 95% of inspected homes pass on the first inspection. So obviously the educational efforts are really paying off. People are clearing brush. You know, we've got those popular goats out clearing the city owned parcels, but also um, the ability to have mutual aid. When that fire happened, the radios of the different departments couldn't talk to one another. Even the, the fire hoses didn't from different departments didn't fit onto our fire hydrants. Uh, and so all of that has been fixed so that departments from anywhere can show up and help when they are needed. And I have to just let Oaklanders have a moment of pride. Our firefighters are recognized as some of the most skilled in wildfire fighting and other types of emergency response. Um, they've been called all over the country in these last several years because of their skill level. So how did that, so that, like the Oakland fire, the tunnel fire, then ended up leading to changes kind of across the state or across the region and in this kind of compatibility of fire department uh, equipment? You know, it started in the region um, with, you know, the, the this new, it's called the Brixa Regional radio system and, and the conversion of the equipment, but it really has spread nationally. And one new thing that people might not know about, uh, I know I went and looked my zone up uh, last night just to be prepared. Um, I really encourage people to go to Zone Haven, just Google it, Zone Haven. Uh, and we now each address uh, in, in California has a, a zone code. I live in E104, Oakland E104. That's my zone. Uh, and uh, so if in a ca case of an evacuation, you can get instructions that's, that are specific to where you live about the safest way to get out and avoid a fire. Yeah. So look up your zone. Because if something were to happen now, you'd get alerts on the phone, there'd be a different set of things that would be happening, right? I mean, if, in your view, could something like that firestorm happen again? 
Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, you remember those orange skies. Uh, it, it feels like every day we have a wildfire out of control in California. And when you look at both the um, frequency and the scope, the acreage of these wildfires, we haven't seen anything like this for a century. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate to make pandemic comparisons, but th this is real. Uh, we all have to be prepared. And um, it's not just prevention, but it is preparation and being able to respond. Yeah. So did your father end up rebuilding in, in that spot or go somewhere else? What happened to the neighborhood? Um, you know, he was in Hiller Highlands. He did rebuild. Um, I remember he got really hot about anyone trying to build higher or change the, the chimneys. <laughs> you know, it was a, an area with, with, you know, simple townhouses, but spectacular views. He did rebuild and um, he uh, lived there for quite a long time. Uh, my dad is now in a retirement home in Napa, but he still keeps the photographs of what his house looked like when we came up that day. They're framed in his office uh, next to those spurs that we did res rescue from the fire. And um, just a quick happy birthday, dad. He's turning 97 on Monday. Oh, wow. Last thing, Mayor Schaff, for the people in our listening area who've lost homes more recently in fires, do you have any just words of advice about the, the long recovery? It was long. It was like my dad's full-time job for two years and just having to buy every you know, spatula and pillowcase, like every, all the things that you lose in a house um, is, is it's a full-time job. Fighting with the insurance companies was a full-time job. And I want to say that that's another thing that came out of the firestorm, the survivors, and they are still very active. They not only uh, are advocating for more prevention and preparedness, but also um, really better policies with the insurance companies to make sure people are made whole and don't lose their home insurance, which is a big fight right now. So, um, you know, please just keep things documented. Um, that's that's part of how people recovered the best after 1991. We've been remembering the Oakland-Berkeley firestorm, the Tunnel Fire, on its 30th anniversary with Mayor Libby Shaft, who lost her family home in the fire. Thank you for sharing your memories with us, Mayor Shaft. Thanks, Alexis. Be safe. We'll be right back with more Forum after a short break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary.
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.